Welcome back to our ongoing adventure with The Last of Us 2 that we are calling the Journey Series. On the third leg of our journey, we are covering the game up until the start of your tracking lesson. A word of caution, spoilers are ahead, so please proceed with risk. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. After reliving a memory from her past at the end of day one in Seattle, Ellie is forced to track down Tommy on her own as Dina is in no condition to be of help to her at this point. I am also intrigued as to where Dina's storyline will be heading from here since it's unlikely that she will be in any condition to help moving forward. It was very clear after the chalet scene that either Ellie was going to be seeing imaginary people or Naughty Dog had pulled a bait and switch in one of their trailers to throw the viewers off the actual events of the story. Now with the way spoiler culture is nowadays, blockbuster movies and games are forced to mislead us in their trailers. The first friendly face that I was expecting to see in Seattle felt like it was going to be Tommy but Naughty Dog is always misleading us and I should have seen this coming. Pushing deeper into Seattle towards the hospital, a fire burns in the distant woods. I have a feeling brooding inside me that we are about to meet a new type of danger and my suspicion has been vindicated as we finally meet the Seraphites or Scars as they are referred to. There has been plenty of hints and cues about this faction with graffiti, notes and overheard conversation. Foliage is deep and fire burns in the distance as it becomes obvious that stealth will be very important in these unknown parts. The whistles throughout the woods put you in a constant state of unease as you are no longer unable to understand what the enemies are thinking with this new language that they have crafted in this new world. I am curious where the storytelling will take the Seraphites and if we will find out why they worship this one lady. Why is there graffiti throughout the city that says feel her love? I could easily see many cults similar to this starting in this kind of world. But what are they rallying behind? Is it possible that she is a chosen one and is also immune to the virus? It could also be possible that she is just a false prophet preying on weaker people as they need some type of deity or northern star in times like this. There is a strong chance that Ellie is not the only one immune to this virus based on the odds of probability. We have seen the WLF track Ellie down into areas with spores and be very concerned and use masks but as of now we have only seen the scars outdoors. Making my way through Seattle, I can't help but wonder how it's possible that a teenager is able to completely infiltrate and eliminate members of the WLF and the Scars so easily. Now, I can understand that anger and hate can drive you beyond normal means, pushing you beyond your limits, and the game did make a slight hint at the museum about Ellie being an apex predator, but it does seem a little far-fetched that one person is able to undermine half a decade of what these factions have been doing, especially in the so-called Wolf's Den. After leaving the hospital and doing what I went there to do, which was to find, interrogate, and kill Nora, I don't fully understand why Ellie seems so affected by the killing of Nora as much as she is. Her hands can't stop shaking, and it's clear in her body language back at the theater that this is lingering with her. Ellie has been on a rampage since she got to Seattle killing plenty of both humans and clickers. I thought to myself for a minute that maybe it was due to how intimate this was and maybe killing someone so closely feels different but then I remembered how many people she had beaten with a pipe, mace, machete or anything else found in the world or the dozens or so that I have stealth killed from behind with a knife. Similar to the end of The Last of Us, the game provides you with no option during your finale with Nora. There is no amount of time that will change the outcome or alter it in any way. You are forced to press the button and press the button over again and you are forced to go through this event and come out changed on the other side. 
While discussing the stealth kills for a game that adds so many little touches to make you forget that you are playing a game like different sounds for a locker or how enemies say different names to each other, Ellie's stealth kills become very repetitive when you are playing the game as it's been designed. It would likely be less noticeable if you are approaching the combat slightly differently and using more weapons and traps, but my first plan of action is always stealth. This is so far the first technical problem that I've seen with The Last of Us 2, as so far, Naughty Dog seems to have thought of all the small things. In the 2013 entry, Ellie's biggest fear was being alone. Being so young, one of the only things that Ellie truly knows from this world is lost from the moment that we meet her. She has lost her mom, Tess, Riley, Sam, and probably countless others that we never got a chance to meet. This world has forced Ellie to put up walls and keep people out. That is until she meets Joel and across their journey discovers someone worthy of her trust again. We learn at this point during one of their flashbacks searching for guitar strings that the only person that she truly trusted in this world has lied to her, but I think she understands that on some level the reason that Joel had been lying to her was to keep her out of harm's way. Ellie needs time to digest what has happened and why the only person that she's trusted in this harsh, unforgiving world has betrayed her trust. Joel had become a father figure to Ellie, and it's this loss at the start of the game that sets her out on this path for revenge. In the first game, there was nothing that Joel wouldn't do to keep Ellie safe, and in The Last of Us 2, there are no lengths that Ellie won't go to to seek revenge for taking away this integral person from her life. Even so much as to put others in harm's way, leaving Dina alone at times, and abandoning Jesse as he goes his own way if it affects her quest for revenge. I feel like it's only a matter of time before something happens to either of these people who are very close to Ellie. Jesse and Ellie decide that finding a boat that they spotted will be the best course of action for getting to the aquarium, but before they can acquire the boat, they overhear WLF communications that a sniper is taking out a lot of wolves, and based on the training rifle flashback with Tommy, we can assume that he is the unidentified marksman. Jesse decides that the best plan of action is to change course and go after Tommy since they know where he is and also now has the full attention of the WLF. Ellie can't be swayed from her path of revenge much to the shock and dismay of Jesse as she pushes on alone towards the aquarium while he changes his path to try and help Tommy. After making her way through the blocks of flooded Seattle alone, she arrives at the aquarium near dark, and at this section of the game, we can really see how Naughty Dog and their environmental clues have evolved from yellow ladders and worn walls to the way that lightning strike cascades through windows, shining light towards the next part of your journey. Not only is this incredibly smart as it doesn't break the immersion, but it is also stunning the way that lightning strikes and crashes through the windows, illuminating the near dark building. At the end of the aquarium, we find that there is more than just Abby staying there. We also find Cole, who was also once a Firefly and was the first member of the WLF that we met back in Jackson, as well as Mel, who is a medic who was also in Jackson. It is here that Ellie tries to use Joel's interrogation method of asking two people the same question and seeing if the answers match to try and find Abby's whereabouts. Unfortunately, things don't go quite as planned as this is Ellie's first time using this tactic and she is still very young and inexperienced. The situation quickly becomes unmanageable for Ellie and more lives are taken accidentally than initially planned. Ellie is also unable to get any information regarding the whereabouts of Abby and it's in this moment that Ellie has become affected by the outcome and breaks down. This is a psychological change that can make sense for many reasons versus the effect that was shown after leaving the hospital with Nora. 
At what point did the ends justify the means for Ellie? Once back at the theater, Tommy and Jesse agree that although they didn't get the end result that they were looking for by bringing Abby to justice, they feel like they've done enough to send a message to the WLF. Jesse and Tommy agree that the smartest thing that can be done at this moment is to return to Jackson in good health. However, you get the feeling from Ellie and the way she's acting that she might decide to stay and finish what she came to Seattle for. There is noise heard from the front of the theater and in the blink of an eye, everything is changed. This is the end of our third leg of our journey and I hope to see you on the next one.